You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well hey there everybody, it's me Joe Thrashenkill You're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet Radio Show And today I'm joined by the good and golden boy The internet sweetheart I'm talking of course about the 365 days of The 365 days of horror Or as I was going to say, as we like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? The kids can call you Hoju. <laughs> I'm doing okay. It sounds like I'm doing a little bit better than you, uh, possibly because it's not 105 degrees where I am and I am properly uh, hydrating, unlike you. Yeah, uh, old Joe fucked up. Uh, old Joe did some dumb things. Uh, he spent too long in the heat. Uh, he... Uh, drank a little too much, and then decided to go for a long run in the middle of the day. And what do you know? I got uh, clinical dehydration with heat exhaustion. So uh, I've been uh, puking a lot, been real sick, real not happy about things. But you know what? This show is a public service. So rather, you know, without... It doesn't matter if it's rain or sleet or snow or horrific uh, nausea... We're here bringing you this public service, this Toilet of Hell uh, radio show. You are on your deathbed with an IV filled with natty light because it's mostly water anyway. Exactly. And you're going, you're going to power through because the people deserve it. That's correct. I got to tell you, uh, Jordan, over the last few weeks, we've been playing a dangerous game. We've been going a little fast and loose with it, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's it's one thing people say about us the most. We are both fast and loose. Yeah. And that's why they want to listen to our show when they're in the back of their seat with their sweetie. Exactly. Uh, but no, we need to we need to lock it down a little bit, you know. Prevent the margin of error from us talking about stuff that's really out of our realm. That's where we uh, lose listeners, that's where we get people mad. Uh, so with today, you know, we uh, we got a theme show for you, okay? So, you know, strap in, because uh, we're kicking some knowledge your way that you might not be aware of. And if you are, congratulations, you're a bigger nerd than we are. Um, but before we, we get into the theme, before we get into the, the listening, the jammies, the backstories, the cast of characters, um, you been up to anything lately, man? What, what's, what's going on in your end? Um, mostly just work. Not very exciting. Still not doing all that much. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've been avoiding going into uh, the main city because every weekend has been some other festival or event. You know, we got Pride. Then we had, like, the yearly city festival where there's all sorts of entertainment and music and none of it is appealing. It's somehow the city is full of thousands of people. And, you know, before that, there's marches. There's all stuff going on. So it's just like... You all have fun here. <laughs> no, I'm going to sit in the dark and play RBI baseball. <laughs> and everyone is happier that way. That's, if it works for you, it works for everybody. Um, Friday, uh, I finished a long day of uh, tests and projects. I went out uh, to uh, the Double Wide in Dallas, which is fast becoming my favorite venue here. Uh, I caught I caught some bands. Um, I caught uh, the, the the goal, of course, going out was to see Discordia, Stockhausen's band. Everybody knows that. Everybody loves it. Uh, openers on that one. Uh, he, Discordia was playing with Sunless. So if you know you like uh, the dissonant 
Tech Death, that is catnip for you. Uh, those guys are going to be playing a series of shows throughout the summer, so go check them out. Uh, here locally, the openers, uh, I saw Wild Speaker again. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. Very good. Uh, sound was even better this time. Love it. Um, and uh, the opening opening band was Trucido, which was a, a gore grind band that blew my tits clean off. Uh, they got uh, Brian Vajardo on the drums. Do you know that guy? I don't pay attention to many drummers. Sorry, sorry, drummers out there. <laughs> if uh, if you're if you're a fan of uh, of grindcore specifically, like that guy, uh, he played in uh, Gridlink among a number of other uh, really uh, <laughs> difficult to play bands. Uh, so those guys, uh, they whipped. They whipped super hard. They just put out their first demo like three days ago, and they say they got an album coming out soon, which hopefully means that they'll do some touring and such. Uh, do not sleep on that band. They're, uh, they're real young, uh, aside from Brian, of course, because he's an older statesman now, uh, and they're real, real sick with it. So uh, is, is it like a Dave Witt situation where he's in like 40 bands because he's the only guy who can do the one thing that people want? That is correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being the one bassist in town. Everyone wants a piece of you. Yeah, but the thing is like he is so goddamn talented. Like he is so intricate and clean with, you know, this this incredibly difficult to play genre specifically for the the, the drums like if you can get that guy, goddamn, you got yourself you got yourself Yuhu uh bottled Yuhu. It's 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 unbeatable. <laughs> we need to bring back the complicated drum rigs from like the late 80s maybe even early 90s just falling down a rabbit hole a while ago just watching instructional videos from metal guys around that time and just one i forget who it was but he was just going through his extremely complicated drum rig and just all racks and cymbals stuff above him stuff behind him and i, I think we should go back to that just real obnoxious unnecessary drum stuff to play in front of 30 people yeah, like taking an hour and a half, maybe more, to get set up and get you know take it all down before the next band can get on, and getting real pissed off if someone tries to help you. Oh, absolutely. They're doing it wrong. Yeah, I know that those roto toms do not go in that case. You fucking casual. Uh, I, I, I order you have to do it in. I think that's a great idea. Uh, any bands out there that have you know tens of thousands of dollars of disposable income, that's a great way to do it. And they they are out there. It's just usually their parents are paying for it. <laughs> that is correct. It's when you see a band you've never heard of showing up on a major tour. You go, hmm, who's paying to get on this? Same situation. Yeah, that's. I mean, if you, I I don't know exactly what you know. Uh, the the children of uh, our our nation's wealthy people are up to, but like if your dad is. Like lobbying the Supreme Court to say that slavery should be legal or whatever, uh, it, it just makes sense for you to have uh, the most decked out crust punk band of all time. <laughs> or you're the sons of Lars Ulrich and you have your own band, and suddenly you're getting on festivals, that sort of thing. Oh man, I miss that. Is that is that what little Lars is doing now? I think I think all the members of Metallica who have children, they're. Their kids are starting to come up with bands. Members of Slipknot, same thing. It's a whole new generation of hard rock and metal bands slowly creeping up that have achieved nothing, but because they have the right last name, that they are getting lots of opportunities. Oh, man. I know that uh, 
what is it? Uh, the guy from Green Day has at least a couple of kids that have had a number of uh, unsuccessful bands despite getting every conceivable benefit and push possible. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the new thing now is going to be kids' bands. And you're just going to be like, well, I don't really know anyone who likes this, but here they are, and they're direct support for their parents' bands, so lots of people are going to see them. I guess that's... Guess that's what it's there for. It's either that or getting it to Harvard. Uh, I'd say that you know the 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 child of a famous musician thing is annoying. Like, yeah, you didn't earn this. Nobody actually cares about you. But it's not like detrimental to the world the same way going to Harvard is. <laughs> not yet. You never know. I mean, maybe uh, the son of a band member may end up becoming Secretary of State and, I don't know, bombing in Cambodia. That's true. We, we, we never know what the future holds. Um, so despite making myself sick, uh, last night I went out uh, in, uh, in the extreme heat again to the double white again. And I saw, um, briefly anyway, um, the Trailer Park Boys doing a live show. Have you ever seen Trailer Park Boys? No, it's... Uh people that have recommended it to me i do not trust so i've avoided it that's fair um the show was a, a big hit you know 20 years ago on canadian tv made a crossover across the world um the three main fellas from the show um they uh they were there they looked great for their age they were doing a good job i have never been in a worse audience in my life were people yelling out lines from the yes. show yeah, just uh, completely fall down, wasted shit face crowd, like yelling the stuff that they heard on the TV at the poor guys that are just trying to make a few a few bucks, like before they get out of town doing another event, you know? It's way worse than someone being at a show and yelling out Slayer or Freebird. Yeah, I left after thirty minutes. Just I I could not deal with this crowd. I was I was talking it over with my wife, like she was like stupefied <laughs> by this audience. She's like, I've been to a ton of events with you. Like, what what is the difference between this one and the other things that we've done that made it so bad? And I think it's just TV is the, uh, the again, the lowest possible medium that if you see something on the TV, like, it's my friend. <laughs> so you're talking directly to me. Yes. I think it's that and just uh, fandom has become a lot more intense over the past couple of years. You know, pandemic being locked up and just people... The, that, that's their personality is the thing they like um, we've talked about this with music too just people who are all about metal and nothing else and for this it's you, at least with music you can't hear people yelling along every yeah. word and this is just an excuse for the worst people to continue being the worst people in public um, I didn't go in college but Bob Saget uh, did an event you know did stand up or whatever and you know People were really obnoxious, apparently, and just, like, shouting out, you're Bob Saget. It's like, yeah, he knows. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and he just had his filthy jokes. Yeah, dude, that sounds fucking miserable. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't be one of those people. I, I think that's the thing, though. Like, I, I just, I cannot, I'm never going to go to another TV-related event again. <laughs> So how was Discordia? Did you do what I told you to and stood in front of the stage with your arms folded, just staring at him? I did. Um, no, Discordia is so again like it's they're they're shit. They are so fucking good at it. Like incredibly intricate music is is their whole thing. 
uh, like complicated time signatures, like complicated passages, little flute solos here and there. Like they're so fucking talented. At the same time, like I can't, I can't windmill kick my way around to it. So I'm a little bit confused by like how to move my head or my arms to it. <laughs> you just kind of do the full body convulsion, sort of head bob, sort of thrusting. You know, you don't mosh, but you go. Yeah, it's it's just it's tough though. Like you're throwing in like you know an, a nine three time signature in the middle there. It's like ah oh, god, I'm gonna give myself whiplash. <laughs> You just bust out your calculator on your phone to do some equations, and then you know how to move properly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, and and Sunless is is very much of a, a similar vein as well. This this uh, very complicated style compared to you know the the more knuckle dragging opening bands. I felt myself out of my element, but I know that we have a ton of uh, toiletiers that that are like they can't get enough of that dissonant stuff. So. If, if that is your thing, you got to go. And you got to go just, you know, hang out with Josh. He's a nice fella. I'm sorry, Stockhausen. Did, <laughs> Did you hang out with him after? Yeah, I hung out for a little bit. I uh, saw another toiletier I hadn't seen in maybe six years, uh, a fellow that lives here in, uh, in uh, the DFW. And, of course, Kit was there. Kit's a man about town. <laughs> Showing off his mustache to all who see it. Exactly. So a, g- a good time. Again, uh, almost worth uh, destroying my entire body for it. Um, okay. All right. We've got, we, we, we kind of bullshitted a little bit I, I did promise a theme. Are you, are you about ready to jump into it? Yeah, we killed enough time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> this one came about, uh, you and I like, fuck, I have no idea what to talk about. And you brought up a, uh, a specific act, uh, a specific act that had changed a bit. Can you explain a little bit? I hate when you do this because I never remember. <laughs> uh, okay, remember the uh, Clue movie? Yes. Oh, okay, thank you. Well, bringing it back, the, the reason why I kind of thought of this theme is recently uh, Carl Sanders from Nile is releasing or is putting out music for a side project called, I think it's pronounced Thune, T-H-U-N, and there's one of them little wacky non-American symbols over the U. <laughs> Uh, and it was like he's putting out his second album, and I'm just like, there was a first album. I've just never heard of this. It's just one of these things that I think was here and was gone, and just kind of passed over me, and just never noticed it. So I began to kind of think about like, there's a lot of side projects, especially with pandemic-related things, just popping up. Here's new music. Maybe here's an album, and then it's gone. I think. Um, the guy from Suicide Silence, uh, who used to be in All Show Parish, had some like COVID nineteen side project that he announced and never did anything with because it sucks. <laughs> um, but it was just like all these side projects that do come out. Sometimes you hear about them, like a Killer Be Killed, for example, the super group. With- killer Be Killed might be one of the few that actually had like some level of success. <laughs> some level of success, but it was also hyped up as being a super mega group because you have Greg Pucciata from Dillinger Escape Plan, Max Cavalera from Soulfly, uh, Troy Sanders from uh, Mastodon, and I think the drummer was from Mars Volta, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they put out their album, they did one or two tours and it did okay and then it just kind of goes away for a long time and then we have these side projects that just people have forgotten about 
or didn't even know about in some of the cases we're going to get to. So we kind of just put our heads together and thinking about like, what are some things that came out maybe 10, maybe even 20 years ago that had a little bit of hype, put out an album, and then just fell off the face of the earth. And the one of the weirdest ones that I found that I had no idea existed was a project called MD45. And it was a collaboration with Dave Mustaine and Lee Ving from Fear. That's, and that's uh... just so it's so weird to have that combination and then just to like not know about it. It's not even memory hold. There's no memory. Yeah. <laughs> this didn't exist to me other than like three days ago. That's the common thread with everything that we got on the show today. It's like these incredibly famous, successful musicians putting out music that just shows like your success to fail rate in music is astronomically lopsided. <laughs> It's like you're so incredibly lucky that you're in your one popular band because it does not transfer over into some of these other projects. Absolutely not. And again, Dave Mustaine, Megadeth, one of uh, the most popular bands to ever exist in metal, and leaving a fear. Fear didn't have like a long history or anything like that, but incredibly influential and leaving... Famous dude in his own right, uh, due uh, to, of course, his uh, masterful uh, depiction as Mr. Body in the Clue movie. <laughs> and this band also had the bassist from Goldfinger, Kelly Lemieux, which, weird, but okay. Is and, that the one that uh, did Superman? Yes. do 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 Sorry. And now everyone feels like they're playing Tony Hawk again. Um, <laughs> pick it up, pick and, it up, pick it up! <laughs> The ex-Megdeath drummer Jimmy, Jimmy DeGrasso. And they put out an album in 1996 called The Craving. And again, never heard this album, never heard of this band, never heard any of the music until coming across this a few days ago. And there's a good reason why I've never heard about this before or since. Because, whoo, not good. It's not good. But, you know, Dave Mustaine is a smart guy. So he took this thing that, uh, you know, flopped upon release and uh, decided he would fix it up. <laughs> and initially it's just more or less generic Megadeth riffs with leaving vocals and harmonica. Yeah, the harmonica just does not work at all for me here. Just he had an idea and he was going to do it and it didn't work out. So uh, what did uh, what did old Dave decide to do here? Kind of without telling leaving, he sort of remixed or had redone this album without his vocals and harmonica and put it out kind of in a hopes of getting Megadeth fans to buy this album. Like they ignored it when it came out, so now he's trying to, I guess, recoup his losses by putting it out as here's another thing I've done. It's a Megadeth sort of thing, so maybe you will buy it this time. I got a. I'm thinking back. 1996 was was a tough year for old Dave, Dave Mustaine. <laughs> it was a tough year for a lot of those popular thrash and heavy metal bands for the 80s. We've talked about it before where they tried to make the jump to like hard rock or grunge or more radio-friendly stuff. And for some bands like Metallica, like yeah, it upset some of their older, truer fans, but it still worked out for them. And then, you know... Megadeth did this and risk and crush them all, and that didn't work out so well. Um, so there, there is a metal injection article about this. Uh, 
where uh, they talked to, to Lee Ving about this. He's like, yeah, he didn't uh, tell me about uh, removing me or my harmonica from this record to re-release it. Uh, and I would have liked to know about that. <laughs> it's like something you would want to tell the guy. Yeah, and he's he has a quote here. It's like, if I knew how to get a hold of him, like I would say it's okay, dude, but like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, how, I mean, how big time have you got to be to not to not talk to Lee Ving? I'd pick up that. I'd pick up the phone. He's not doing anything. He has time. Just yeah. give him a call, Dave. So uh, seems a, seems a little shitty, especially with your goal of like a quick cash squeeze, cash squeeze from what is essentially a polished turd. It's just this weird little spot in time that this thing happened that i mean i'm sure someone out there that's listening is just like yeah i have this album it's great but by and large i would say probably not many people know this thing existed and i mean we'll play a clip of it but yeah i would say don't do you want to listen to the one with leaving or the one without leaving i think we have to listen to the one with leaving yeah i'm with you on that one all right uh let's let's hear a little bit here That was uh, the Creed from MD45. I'm sure if you're very curious, you can go to your local record store and that album is in the 99 cent section. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe you should like gaslight uh, <laughs> gaslight Dave Mustaine into thinking that you need he needs to put out a vinyl re-release of it. <laughs> Yeah, might as well. I'm sure some Megadeth fans are willing to buy the uh, three vinyl disc gatefold limited edition box set. They're out there. I know they are. So, um, yeah, if we could have like a full uh, double DVD of the making of The Craving as well. Like, uh, I want to be a completist on this one that I will definitely buy. The important history of MD45. It's just weird, man. Like, um, leaving, like, he had a, he was, he was hot as fuck for like a year and a half. And then, uh, just, it didn't carry through from there, unfortunately. Um, and Dave Mustaine was hot as fuck for a number of years and he's been trying to relight that torch ever since. So I guess it makes sense that they would try to do something together. Uh, and it just, it's not... It's not it, because you're both old. <laughs> Dave you're, Mustaine is slowly turning into a rotting rutabaga. I mean, you're, you're both at one point very in touch with uh, the youth uh, culture, and now it's, you know, it hadn't been the case for 30-odd years now. Uh, it sucks. It happens to all of us, though. Just play your shows and play your festivals. There's no need for any of this extra stuff. Not too many people want to hear it. If anything, just do guest spots for other people and 
get paid a little bit and maybe help boost some up and coming bands you actually like. That's probably not a bad idea. Uh, there's there's a uh, side project I learned about not not too terribly long ago. Um, <clears throat> are you familiar with two? That would not be like T W O. It would be the number two W O. I am familiar with. I, I mean, I know it's pronounced two, but having the two in the name makes me want to call them two wo. Two wo. Two wo. Yeah, it's it was the side project of Rob Halford, obviously from Judas Priest and you know Fight, and John Five. Yeah, they they got signed to um, Trent Reznor's uh, Nothing label uh, to put out this this record Voyeurs. Uh, let's see, what year was that? It was 1998 they put this out. Yeah, the band formed in 96 and put this out in 98. So it's also in the same time frame that was the MD45 album of these kind of older musicians not really knowing what to do and trying to branch out. And uh, At least in this case, this was more of a, an industrial on soundtrack type project, yes. which... You know, it, credit to Rob Halford, trying something different, trying to do something he was interested in, not just doing the same thing, but with someone else adding their own little spin to it, like MD45. I gotta say, I do love the uh, the cover art on this one. You know, very much like the shit brown, like nonsensical typography of like uh, a, a video game magazine advertisement for Hexen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the classic era of video game magazine ads where it's like, don't be such a pussy, play Doom 64. Exactly. Like a, a dismembered arm holding a cartridge. Yes, correct. The, the Spawn video game advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he he nailed all of the aesthetics here. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but um, for... The single for I Am a Pig. <laughs> uh, he hired uh, Chichi LaRue to direct the uh, the video for it. Do you know who Chichi LaRue is? Sounds like it would be a stripper. Uh, kind of, almost. Uh, it's a um, uh, drag diva porn director uh, that mm. did a number of uh, gay uh, gay porno videos from the nineties to the two thousands. Yeah, so, going for an, ex- an aesthetic. I mean, you got John Five in the mix. You got Trent Reznor. You got to have like, you know, some uh, some heavy bondage uh, porn stuff. Like that makes sense. Everything has to everything has to be brown and gray, and there's metal and there's chains and leather. It's like this this is all a theme, and it you know it fits in with who Halford is. So. It all makes sense. Um, the song itself, I don't think, is that bad. It at least has the the memorable chorus. Um, but I guess at this time, by now in the late '90s, this has been a, been done almost to death. Like I said, the Spawn soundtrack had already been out. This is Nine Inch Nails was already selling out arenas, so I can kind of see where at this point maybe the audience has been tapped out a little bit and. Just straightforward new metal had already started to become a thing at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you got to figure if you're if you're a big Halford fan, like you were, you were not wanting this. You were wanting like instead of the the dark S and M gay vibes, you wanted the campy fun gay vibes of like you know the leather daddies and stuff like that. 
Um, yeah, there's like the the fun and lightheartedness of Judas Priest singing about fucking and sucking, and this is like the ooh, Daddy Halford is being real mean to me. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, no, I I I am definitely of the Turbo Lover camp instead of the Two camp. I'm a little bit more open to industrial type stuff. So like like I said, like this doesn't really bother me as much and. I don't know. I could see him trying to do this again and maybe getting a little bit more success because I think this album was pretty much a flop. Yeah, yeah. It sold less than 50,000 copies. Yeah, that's pretty rough, um, especially for someone as well known. But again, different styles, maybe not the right timing. But, you know, I, I could see them trying to do this maybe on like a Hellfest or something like that, a big festival European thing where people could be like, oh, yeah, I'll. I'll go see 40 minutes of this. I, I liked the album when I was 13, so you never know. I mean, the edgy boy aesthetic is popular with the kids again, so it's, I don't know, it's maybe worth a shot. Um, let's, let's give a little bit of listen to I Am A Pig. There you go, folks. You have now expanded your your knowledge of the Halford discography. It's shown up on my Spotify Discover Weekly list a few times. So, That's wild um, to me, dude. <laughs> I listening to Judas Priest and then probably too much new metal. It just mashed together, and it's like, oh yeah, you like this. And were they right? Like I said, I don't mind that song. It has the chorus, um, which is enough for me to latch on to be like ah this is all right but then again i don't go out of my way to listen to the whole album well there you go at least we'll always have i am a pig um there's a few other things i'd like to talk about here you suggested of course feel these dreams which i think that we have definitely covered on this podcast before i just i don't want people to forget about feel these dreams Little Baby Hef, that's the name. <laughs> very, very bad record. Um, I think Fieldy would love to revisit that one, actually. <laughs> well, hopefully he's uh, getting better and healthier now, and if the opportunity ever comes around to interview him, we can talk nothing but Fieldy's dreams. I would love that, personally. I promise, we won't talk about Corn. we won't talk about your Zigazagazoon solo album that you put out, just feel these dreams all right uh, let's put it out there to the press agents um <clears throat> another one featuring a uh elder statesman of metal this one um this one caught me completely off guard i had never heard of it before uh geezer butler had a side project called gzr <laughs> yeah with burton c bell Ooh. <laughs> And I only know about this because the one year I went to Ozfest, I got a free Ozfest sampler, and they had a song on there, like a newer song beyond their like initial 1995 album. And it was, you know, it's okay. Well, um, this one uh, again, 1995. 
<laughs> that show that we did uh, years ago, uh, probably not even years ago, uh, a year ago about you know the uh, the things that people did uh, to get by in the '90s. This would have fit right in in there. Uh, they put out uh, Plastic Planets. I think that's what it was called, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's um, Planet pl- Planet Piss by Geezer. Exactly. Uh, and again, I I I am just not a Burton C. Bell fan. Uh, I don't know about you. I think when they fully admitted, like, yeah, just do it one time, and we'll copy and paste it. Like, I hit it once, good enough. Once they admitted that, I think I'm just like, yeah, okay, I, that that fits in. Um, I think he, especially in his younger days, choruses and some of the cleans worked out well. But in recent years, hearing him do it live and just struggling mightily makes me feel a little bit bad. It's just like, you didn't really have it to begin with, and now you definitely don't have it. So he's at a fear factory now and just doing his... Um, Watchmen, Watchtower thing, oh, yeah, Ascension of the Watchers. So eh, that's all right too. I just uh, I'm a I'm a comment reader. You know I am. So uh, looking at the comments on uh, on the full album Plastic Planet on YouTube, guy here says uh, this is one of the best death metal albums. I think Burton C. Bell has one of the best voices in metal. <laughs> so, I don't know about any of those statements. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so either. Uh, I I will say I was uh, not knowing what to expect going into this uh, from you know Geezer Butler like what he would pull off. I thought it sounded pretty tight to be honest with you. Aside from <clears throat> you know the whole Burton C. Bell thing, you know it's fine if not a little bit forgettable. Again, it's that time frame mid to late nineties, old guys trying to do something new, and eh, it's fine. It's tolerable. If not entirely forgettable, a little, a little. I don't know. It it is forgettable for sure. But I I find I found that this is probably the most enjoyable to me out of the out of the ones that we're gonna get into. Sure, I, I would agree with that as well. Uh, let's let's listen to a track here. We'll start with Catatonic Eclipse from Jesus' uh, Plastic Planet. Download me, kill me. Top dreams are everywhere They're watching you too When life slips away We'll taste the kill go um <clears throat> it's tough it's yeah burton c bell has a distinct voice for sure he has his one sound he has his one note <laughs> uh... um so another comment on here clued me in a little bit um apparently uh this had a little bit more success uh, because it was featured on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, or at least I one remember. Of remember when that used to happen? You would have a song on a soundtrack, and it would make you money. So this one might have actually, yeah, might have actually recouped at least. 
and now no one has soundtracks anymore unless it's like original scores um yeah you know if you want to be on a soundtrack now you needed to write a song 60 years ago so it could be on guardians of the galaxy 7 and you could uh, recoup a lot of money in your late 60s and 70s just by someone having your song in a popular tiktok so good for you yeah again uh the best time to to do this was well before you were born. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Keep drinking that garbage anyway. Um, <clears throat> you uh, you 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 tuned turned me on to one that. Uh, yeah, I did. Really? Oh, oh, sorry. We're talking offended about music. every uh, every bit of my sensibilities. Um, to my surprise, can you tell me a little bit about this? People may remember, to my surprise, from their local FYE, looking in the used music section because at least six or seven of these albums were in there, being sold for very cheap. This was the side project of Clown from Slipknot, like as Slipknot was really blowing up and becoming big, uh, more around, I think, their uh, second album, Iowa. This other project came out, and a lot of people went, I like Slipknot, I'll buy this. It sounds... Nothing like Slipknot. It sounds nothing like metal. It is essentially jerky indie rock. Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah, jerky uh, turn of the millennium indie rock for assholes. Like quirky, but not actually funny or fun. Yeah, it, it reminded me of uh, that uh, that band that like, uh, Don't give up, you got the music in you. Whatever the new radicals. The new radicals. That's it. Except not as good. Not as like talented. Not as good. <laughs> a clown should have wore a bucket hat. Maybe Absol- it would have been a lot better. I would be shocked if he wasn't wearing a bucket hat when recording all of this <laughs> horse shit. Um, and he's been he's been threatening to like come back with this at some point. Uh, no need, dude. You don't have to. Just that, hit your keg and make your money. That guy might be the most like bundle of exposed nerves in all of metal. Like, nobody respects him. <laughs> he keeps trying to do things, and again, nobody takes it seriously. It all really sucks, but he is very, very self-conscious about it. <laughs> he keeps trying anyway. He has his art and his vision, and um, I don't know. Have you ever seen Officer Down, the no. movie he did? Did you see it's, it? Yeah, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's more fun to watch it and pick out the members of Slipknot who are playing characters in the movie than like the actual content itself. And it's worth noting Clown is multi-millionaire. Oh yeah, he's richer than all of us combined. So uh, he has it right and he has enough money where he can do things like this. Lose all of it. Get critically ripped apart and come out okay. He, um, so he so he wins essentially. He, he wins. He does. Uh, he he has the last laugh uh, always, uh, but as you know, a salve for me for my emotions. I get to make fun of how much his shit sucks. So um, I would like to play a little bit here from a song called "Get It to Go" uh, by To My Surprise. Let's just listen to a little bit right now, and then we can get into it in a minute.
Ladies and gentlemen. Your favorite. We talked about this one week ago, you rotten motherfucker. <gasps> it's forever in the heavy metal lexicon that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, with that nasally Carnival Barker voice, is just, it's going to show up at least a couple times a year in new albums and music videos. And whatever follows it, you can guarantee it's going to suck so fucking hard. I hope Slayer, when they do come back, and they're fine. They are going to come back at some point. Do this. I hope they put this in one of their songs. Yeah, you put that out in the world. I think that's a, a sure thing, man. Oh, man, I really, I really hate this, this, uh, this song. All of this. It's uh, brought me back a lot of bad vibes from the early two thousands. It's very early two thousands, yeah. and and I hope it doesn't come back. Like the. And we've talked about the twee indie rock that like later followed up on this, the stomp clap stuff. This is kind of what led to that. Yeah. Uh, overall, uh, just this should never have been made um, ever. Do you think that like again this and again it would have never been made unless uh, you know Slipknot was blowing up? They gave him a chance because of that. Do you think he recouped on this record? Well, this was put out on Roadrunner, so I, which is Slipknot's um, label forever and has made Roadrunner all of their money and has ensured that they'll never, ever go back to death metal, um, especially with whatever their situation is now that they kind of got swallowed up by Warner Brothers, I think. I think so. Um, so I'm sure Roadrunner put it out uh, acknowledging that it wasn't going to make them any money, but knowing that it would help keep Slipknot on their label. You know, one of those things are, we'll do this if you stay with us and you don't sign with an actual major record label. That makes sense to me, yeah. We, um, we will finance your vanity project if you promise to sign this three-album extension with us. Yeah, I got this vision for this record. It's going to change the world. And then this is what you get out of it, so... Apologies to whatever A and R person was forced to, you know, sit through this or set up a listening party for it. It's the musical equivalent of, "Ooh, I want to see what Clown looks like without his mask on." Oh, put it back, put it back. It's horrible. Exactly. So this was, um, you know, your first chance to see the genius of Clown outside of Slipknot, and we've had so many wonderful opportunities ever since. So, nice little relic of a time past. And we shall see if it ever comes back. There's always the threat. <sighs> always a threat. Okay. Um, let's do a couple more here. Let me a little bit faster th with it. Um, you sent me one that sucked a whole lot, but it also seemed like they put zero effort into it, so I don't want to rip on it as hard. <laughs> rip away if you want to. It is the rap side project from the drummer of Born of Osiris. I know that sounds appealing to... 0.001% of the population. Yeah. Uh, he put out a video for this as well, in which uh, if, you, if you watch all the way through, it has a credit there. It says, because um, this, this was released, you know, during the height of the pandemic. It said, you know, this video was recorded at like the Wilson Friends Halloween, the Wilson Sisters Halloween party in 2018. And it's, yeah, the, the video is just like, you know, people drinking at a, in a shitty apartment house party. 
Yeah, this is, oh, I guess we should say Cameron Loesch, under the name CSL, decided to do a rap project that I compared it to MC Chris without the charm or wit. Yeah, um, I have paid to see third-tier Wu-Tang affiliates uh, who have made uh, local rappers pay to be on the show with them. Um, (laughs) The local rappers were better than this. We shall see if this ever comes back. Uh, I don't think we need it. No, let's let's listen to a little bit of Swallow Ween, though. Can a bitch get a Big Mac and a small fry? Soda on the side, wanna make a super size? Never seen a mix it, too, bitch, hurry up. What the fuck, I'm a chicken select set. I went to the breakfast. Got the top down in the Lambo stress. Three doubles on my mind, feeling half-tech blessed. A ball so hard, you can call me LeBron. Young Yogi, Trap Megatron. Smoke Reggie, what plan did you on? Tell your mom to get off my strong. Brand new bitch. Yeah, fuck you. You deserve that. I do too. We all deserve it. <sighs> okay. Here's one that I just remembered as we were talking about. We didn't discuss this. But do you remember Dublin Death Patrol? No, I do not. This was a mid-2000s band that I think put out like maybe one or two albums. And I only remember this because I was a radio DJ in college and got this. And the name really stuck out to me. It's a thrash band with Chuck Billy from Testament and Steve Souza from Exodus. Worlds be colliding for the first time ever. Oh, and Phil Demel. <laughs> okay. So it's it's all the usual people. They yep. put out two albums, one in 2007, one in 2012. And yeah, it's a an eight-piece band, thrash band, that probably not too many people remember. Why do you need eight pieces? Because you have friends that are probably in need of money. I guess that makes sense. Um, and it, it, you really need three thrash guitarists, three bassists, multiple drummers. I have not listened to Dublin Death Patrol. Anything worthwhile? No. Just pick a random one. It, put it this way. Just l- listening to who's in this band, you know what it's going to sound like. All right. Let's give it a shot then. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing. Uh, you, you, you found one for me that uh, was interesting uh, in, a, in a number of ways to me. C-187? Yeah, this was another one that I think maybe in the recesses of my mind I had like occasionally glossed over, but it's a groove metal band featuring members of both Pestilence and Cynic. So... The end result of this, like, it's like uh, slightly dumber Meshuggah. <laughs> you can, I mean, you you have members of Cynic and Pestilence in there, so you know there's talent, you know they can play, and they still kind of do their own thing. So, like, that's where kind of the off kiltery, maybe Meshuggah sound comes from. And then they almost get into like a rap breakdown. Like, there's that definite late 90s, early 2000s pantera groove hidden in there and it it throws me off a lot 
this I, I I will say this one is is interesting. It's not necessarily something I'm ever gonna like put on and jam, but I will say that the music itself is interesting because you have, like you mentioned, the the tech the tech uh, affections with ignorant rap shit. <laughs> like I can easily hear one of them doing a rap about like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Uh, there is a weird like the breakdown on this is like I see dead people which is so, it puts such a time stamp on it a lot of these songs have that sort of thing of just being stuck in time and just being a, a remnant or like you said a relic of 1998 1995 and this is one of those things too of uh, the, it's also the, the vocalist being oh my god I'm so crazy I'm about to lose it which is also a thing of that time oh yeah like uh, I I should be on medication, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this music video while wearing a straight jacket and rocking in the corner of a padded room because I'm crazy. Oh, man. Like, every band had to do that. It's so fucking lame. We abided by that with far too long. Far too long, if you ask me. We exchanged that for metalcore guys that hit on girls at Warp Tour. Yeah, metalcore guys that rent Lambo's studio videos. Um, anyway, uh, let's listen to a little bit of this. Again, I, I, I kind of got a kick out of it. Maybe you will too. All right, well, let's move on and and close it with something that truly sucks. When coming up with this theme for the show, I was trying to look for, like, really obscure stuff and trying to go by some of the well-known musicians that have been in our genre for a long time and been in the business. And, you know, we get that with the geezer and your Burton Seabells and guys from Cynics, things like that. And one genre that we didn't really get up to this point is like black metal and i know these guys definitely do have side projects but they tend to especially the older musicians just be like here's a thrash band or yeah. here's some sort of d-beat sort of thing and like like fenris has side projects and it's like it's it's okay it's pretty much black metal guys playing slightly different genres but it still sounds like black metal but one i was very excited about that i had zero knowledge is like you know what Nurgle has to have a side project oh yeah and lo and behold he did he doesn't anymore he's not in it with members of Manowar and Morbid Angel called Voodoo Gods now Voodoo Gods is interesting in that a lot of people over a long period of time have contributed to this dog shit project. <laughs> we have members, let's, I'll go through the list. They have it in front of me. Uh, they were originally called Shrunken Head, and they were formed by Alex von Poschinger. I don't know who that is. Tony Norman, who was in Morbid Angel for a couple of years as a live member. He was also in Monstrosity and Terrorizer. And Seth Vandaloo, who's in Severe Torture. All right. And 
well-known death metal bands, sure enough. And uh, in the mid-2000s, they were joined by Hero, who people may know from being in Decapitated. And your favorite new band name, do you want to tell us what that is? I apologize for the words that are going to come out of my mouth. Virgin Snatch. You named your band Virgin Snatch. Why did you name your band that? Because Dreadlock Pussy was already taken. That's a yeah. That's actually a way better band name. <sighs> okay, but that's not all. Who who else you got there? And Nurgle was on vocals, and they put out an EP. It's it's not black metal, and we'll play a clip in a second. You can hear Nurgle doing vocals without his studio magic without his uh, layered <laughs> vocals on it. And you really do see that he is a dime a dozen. He could be anyone on this. This is probably one of the, like for having a bunch of well-known names in this, this is one of the uh, most talentless collections of, of sounds I've ever heard. They had an idea and it was a bad idea. And they went, you know what? Let's make nine-minute songs out of this bad idea. And this is what you get. Yeah, you, you take seven guys who are, are well-known within their respective subgenres, and this is what you get. So uh, let's, let's listen to a little bit here. Uh, how about we listen to Ritual Killing? Sure. You get what you deserve, folks. Um, and later on, after that, they had like members uh, Mike Browning from Morbid Angel join, uh, David Shankel from Man of War join, and, and um, eventually Nurgle left because I guess he was too busy blaspheming. And Corpse Grinder, George Fisher joined the band and put out two albums. And again, this is one of those things where just never heard anyone talk about it. Never came up in conversation. Never seen anyone wearing a Voodoo God shirt. It's just a project that existed, featuring all these, you know, musicians from at least well-known bands, if they're not well-known themselves. And it's real meh. Yeah. Why has so much effort been put into this? Among so many people, among so many years, so many releases. Like this is not worth anyone's time. You have free time, you have a little bit of money, and I guess you, you know, you start noodling in your den, like, "Ooh, I'm gonna mess with Mesopotamian sounds and time signatures, and ooh, I like this. Let me get my buddies who aren't doing anything, and we'll do songs about voodoo." And here's a description of the band that is very funny to me: "Quote metal with influences from death and thrash metal." Most of the lyrics deal with voodooism and spirits of nature, as well as the effects done by Christianity and colonialism. 
Voodoo Gods are a band and not a side project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, sure. Voodoo Gods are an ancestral musical system of worship and ritual practices where God, this is wrong, it should be where gods are born and honored along with the veneration of ancient and recent ancestors who earlier ruled the same tutelary gods. Someone had a thesaurus with them. This band shares metaphysical conceptions based on the dual cosmological machinery of art. You could describe voodoo gods as the serpent under whose auspices gather all who share the faith. And music is the vehicle for the expression of the serpent's power. The music is an expression of spirituality, of connection with divinity, and the spirit world, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. If I were an ancient god... And I heard people putting out this music, supposedly to uh, worship or venerate me. I would uh, inflict a thousand years of curses upon them. I'm pretty sure this is what smiting is specifically for. Yes. Like you're, you're upsetting the gods. You're doing it wrong. Go away. I will sacrifice you. I will turn you into some sort of crocodile-headed, goat-bodied monster. It seems like this uh, came out like right before uh, Nurgle decided to turn himself into some kind of icon, and I think this is a good—it's a good look. It's a good look for him, the way I see him, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just the effects of colonialism—it's just, it's just so funny to hear from these guys. I—I I don't feel like these guys could even give you an, a description of what colonialism is, so it's a nice word to throw in there. I feel like they would tell you about. Guys wearing tricorner hats and having wooden teeth. But, yeah. You know, colonialism, the colonies. Yeah, they, they had muskets. <clears throat> muskets are cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's about the level uh, I'd expect from this. So, boy, uh, truly, uh, truly cursed music, terrible tidings. Don't much care for it. But I can say that this has put us near the end of the show. So, how do you want to wrap this whole package up? Um, you know, I want people to tell me about other side projects and solo things that have pretty much been forgotten by time. Because this stuff is really entertaining in a weird way of, like we've said, snapshot in time, bad ideas with a little bit of money behind it, and musicians with probably too much free time. And we get things like this. Sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it's voodoo gods. Sometimes you get voodoo gods, of course. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll ever hit the highs of that uh, decapitated uh, Rasta side project again, uh, but we'll keep hoping for it, you know? Yeah, it's like once, with the exception of like a Mike Patton or someone who actually has talent and the ability to do these things, when you get metal guys going out of the guitar based genre and kind of really spreading their wings too much you get when you get them doing rap or reggae or dubstep maybe one or two people can have some mild success with it but by and large it's just really funny and really bad and you know if we have how many country outlaw things have guys been trying to do in the past couple of years far too many and like i said like i think the guy from godhead has had some success with it because people don't remember godhead and there's been enough time and he's made it his own thing 
and you know has gone to the clubs and is is putting in the work and then you have i am morbid or you have des from devil driver trying to do it and you just kind of go huh all right bye there was one skrillex yes nobody else is going to get to to be that (laughs) he got it at the right time and had the right connections and you don't have either one of those things. Womp womp, as they would say. But that's all right. You can keep making music, keep making some money with your currently very successful projects, probably. I don't know. I think we got to close it there. Any final thoughts on the show? Uh, bands keep doing this because it is very entertaining for the wrong reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, hey, if you like this show, uh, we have a Patreon where we'll do bonus shows. Um, I think this next one, we're going to talk to Breno about being a bad kid. (laughs) Hopefully we're going to have to rope him in. He might be a bad kid about doing this show, too, and just not show up. That's true. Uh, Failing that, we'll find some other uh, cringy topic in metal to to discuss for uh, roughly an hour and 15 minutes. That's what we do. And uh, hey, we love you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.